Mac Geek Gab, show 940, Monday, August 8th, 2022. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where the goal is for each of us to learn at least five new things. We do that by taking your questions, tips, and cool stuff found that you send in to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Like this quick tip from Skylar that came in last night. Actually, she's my daughter. She just gave it to me. But did you know that if you're in the Messages app and you've sent a message to one person, you can hold down on Messages and start dragging it. And then with your other finger, you can navigate to another message and drop it in. It's like copy and paste without having to do copy and paste. Tips like that are what you send in, your questions, your cool stuff found, things like that all come in. And we stream them together in a, into an agenda so that we can learn those five new things every single time. We're we down get to together. four, Dave. We're now down to four. That's what I'm saying. That's awesome. That's what I'm saying. It's right here. We're not messing around. Sponsors are also not messing around. For this episode, include ZocDoc.com slash MGG, where you can go and sign up for free. You can download their app and instantly book an appointment with doctors who are easy to find. Uh, you're also going to want to check out Collide at K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash M-G-G device security that uh, keeps your users engaged via Slack. It's 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 a unique approach to doing enterprise or corporate device security. It's cool stuff. And then also one of our favorite apps, BB Edit, now with integrated notebooks and extended language support. We're going to talk more in depth about each one of those shortly here for now here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John Front. And here in, get ready for it, New Delhi, India, Pilot Pete. Pilot Pete, man. I think you, this is a record for us. I, you know, it, it, it. this is a record, I, I, and I love it because not only are you on a, a different time zone from us, but you're off by, by a 30-minute mark, not just an hour mark, as we learned right. in the pre-show. And you can join the pre-show if you go to MacGeekUp.com slash calendar, sign up to the calendar. You'll know uh, when we're doing this. But um, it kills me, Pete, that for years, the only time you were able to be on the show was when you happened to be home in New Hampshire and would come to my studio and do the show here. And I love that. Don't get me wrong. I, I like sharing space yeah. together, especially after COVID when, you know, all the lockdowns, when we weren't allowed to do that with each other. It's now, like, that we can. I, now that we can. But it kills me that we never once thought, hey, we could just send you around the world with a microphone. <laughs> despite John, there you go. despite the fact, John, that you and me have been doing this remotely since like episode two. So I don't know. Crazy. Well, but to be fair, I mean, some some until recently, most most hotel Wi-Fi was spotty at best. Fair, and, you know, even even if I had a Cat Five cable, you know, that was kind of that still wasn't always that good. And fair, but and John and I did years, enough it's, enough remote shows, yeah. especially when it was audio only. Yeah. So I don't know. Right. Uh, I don't know. And then I, we did Skype. Skype had the uh, background noise that they put in. We yeah, had the betas yeah. that took that out. And yeah. that was kind of thing. It's true. But, it's uh, true. Yeah. You mentioned the time zone. So I'm going to tell people that's what it is. You know, so I'm in India. If you don't know, India is off by half an hour. 
And the conspiracy theory is that when the British colonized it, all you would have to do is turn your analog watch upside down in Delhi, and you could see what time it was in London. Or in London, turn it upside down, you could see what time it was in Delhi. And, and it's always worked. So, for instance, it's 8.15 in in the evening in Delhi, and it looks like about quarter to two in London in the uh, afternoon. I love it. So, These are the things we yeah. learn. I, I love it. Trivia. I'm a trivia. Yeah. You are <laughs> Mr. Font. Trivia. A veritable font. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How are things for you, Mr. Braun, as we're getting rolling here? Anything exciting happening? Nope. Okay. Well, this show is exciting. It's going to happen. Uh, let's let's uh, we started with a quick tip from Skyler. Let's let's keep going with quick tips from Jeff is the next one. He says, have you ever wanted to copy the path to a file to the clipboard? Here's a quick way to do it. And by path, he means the uh, text based representation of what folders that file is in. He says, open a finder window and navigate to the location of the file. Right click or control click on the file to display the context menu with the context menu displayed, hold down the option key and you will find that there is now an option to copy the file as path name, click it. And now on your clipboard is the path to the file. If you don't want to right click or control click, I believe you can find this in the edit menu when you're in the finder. Uh, yeah. If you just open up, highlight anything in the finder, open up the edit menu. And then as you press down the option key, you will see it will be copy it without the option key down. It's copy, uh, with the file name and with the option key down, it's copy file name as path name. So that's pretty good one. I like that. Very cool. Thank you, Jeff. This is, I love, I had no idea about any of this. This is what I, this is what I love. Here's another one that I didn't expect to happen, but it happened. So if you do a get info on a file, you get a window with a whole bunch of information about the file. If you right click on where you get a copy as path name, kind of like this. Oh, look at that. But a level higher. So amazing. Oh, yeah, right. You're getting the given. you're getting the path name to the folder when you do that, not to the file itself. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Huh. And and also, like I'm looking, Pete shared a movie with us of a of, of a plane that didn't stop turning and crushed a little truck. Uh, everybody was OK. Uh, you shared that before the show. And that happens to be the thing, Pete, that I'm I did a get info on as John was walking us through this. And there in the more info section, there is where from. And on this, it says received via messages file transfer. And then it gives a, a what looks to be a unique ID of some sort. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. There's all kinds of metadata in there that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe useful in court someday. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm sorry. It's not. Um, <laughs> it's It's not some random unique string. It is a very specific, unique string. It is your phone number, Pete. There it is. Yeah. Right. I'm glad I didn't start Let's reading it off. to the world. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe and I sometimes, get more calls about some, my car warranty expiring. Sometimes <laughs> dumb luck is the best kind of luck, Pete. The fact that I just yep. didn't start reading it because I thought it was irrelevant. Then I realized how relevant it might actually be. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's good. I well, like that, Along those get infos, I, I have the one that uh, uh, we talked about also briefly in pre-show. If you ever wanted to 
to tag the little icon next to your file. For instance, all your PDFs, they all look the same. But if you have a PDF that's about, say, airplanes, and you want to put a little airplane icon next to that PDF, all you have to do in Finder is hit, or well, it's back up. Let's take a screenshot of an airplane, that picture that you want it to be. And that's so what's that it's shift control command four, I think. And yeah, and you're adding the con- you're adding the control key there because that puts it on your clipboard instead of saving it to a file. Right. So now that it's on your clipboard, then you go to the file that you want, you highlight it, you hit command I for get info. Then once you've done that, up in the very top left corner, you see next to the file name that little tiny uh icon that shows it that it's a PDF. If you just Click on that. It kind of highlights it. And then you hit Command V, and it changes it from the PDF icon to what the icon that's on your clipboard or the picture that's on your clipboard. Amazing. So you, I've done that for years with my files so that it's easier for me to visually identify them. That's a great idea. You know, I, yeah. I this is one of those quick tips that I the functionality I knew, and I think we've probably even shared in the show before, but only for one very specific purpose, and that is changing disk icons. So if you have some external drive or even an internal drive and you want to give it a custom icon for whatever reason, you know, aesthetics or, you know, something descriptive so that, you know, oh, that that orange drive is that orange drive. You know, I, so we've used that exact trick to put custom icons in over the years, but I never even thought on my own, let alone in the show, about doing it for descriptive purposes for individual files. It's brilliant. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've been using that for years. But it, and in mentioning, uh, in mentioning for drives, I, I've always used air, aircraft names, for instance, because I flew the Harrier. The Harrier is my main drive. And then I, I hang other drives and NAS drives around. And I, you know, it's Cobra, it's Galaxy, it's Intruder. Those sorts of things. Fascinating. And my daughter uses it. She likes dogs, so she names it after dog breeds. Uh, uh, and does she put that, icons that of those dog dog breeds in? You know, I don't know. Pictures? I don't think she does. I, I, I need to teach her that quick tip. I was uh, just going to say. But, uh, yeah, I like that. Huh. Yeah. yeah. And if anybody ever wants to question Pete's sanity or really anything else about Pete, he just shared the, that. <laughs> the only relevant fact you need. And that's that he flew Harriers, folks. <laughs> well, I, I would have called those VTOL you on your podcast. So there I was. You call them VSTOL, VSTOL. VSTOL. Yeah. Vertical, uh, vertical short takeoff and landing. Vertical short and, and it was really oh, okay. what it should have been called. Yeah. They were called VSTOL. Yeah. We actually should have called them Stovall, which is short takeoff, vertical landing. That was more the mission. You had to be really light to do a vertical takeoff. You could always do a short takeoff, even with a full load of bombs and and fuel and everything else, you could get airborne in 300 feet. Okay. But the vertical landing or the vertical takeoff, you have to be very light in order to do that. So it was a short takeoff vertical landing airplane. Interesting. Oh, that, okay. That makes sense. Now I understand. Yeah. yeah. You might want to so share that you on your takeoff. You might want to share oh, that on your podcast. I, uh, yeah. Cause you, you've said it in every episode I've heard. And cause it's you and another co-host who also flew V planes, uh, flew Harriers. Yeah. yeah. So, huh. Interesting. See the things we learn, folks. Uh, listener John has something Mac related for us to learn. And that is. Uh, uh, where, where am I here? He says, um, if you have a finder window open and you are deep in the file structure, 
uh, which some of my stuff I might have 20 folders deep. Okay. Uh, You can use a trick to quickly save a file to that folder that's open in the Finder. When you have the Save dialog open in any Mac app, if you switch to the Finder and hover over the name of the folder, so in the top, uh, a folder icon will be revealed while you hover. You then drag and then drop that folder icon right into the Save window, and it will jump you to that location in the Save dialog box. That is very cool. I, you know, I, I don't think I ever knew about this. I don't know when it started, but I've been using default folder for so long that, uh, which is a paid add on for Mac OS, a third party paid add on. And I highly recommend it, but it will let you get to finder folders in two ways in, in default folder. One is. There's a little it adds a little menu to save and open dialogues where you can see finder windows and you literally just click and, and select it. The other way is from that save dialogue. If you drag your mouse uh, or you move your mouse, not drag, if you move your mouse outside of the save dialogue and hover over a finder window, it will uh, it will light up and, and you just click and it brings you there. So I, I, I never stopped to think about an Apple centric way of doing this but this is super handy for when i'm working on someone's machine who doesn't have default folder so yeah i like that huh. any thoughts on that john um no like you i'm a default folder yeah <clears throat> long time user and i love the uh you know it has the history of where you've been and all that stuff really handy but it's yeah. nice they they thought about putting something like that in the finder yeah 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 exactly yeah it, yeah it, it's I, I i love these little things that are clearly undocumented anywhere um that's why we do quick tips it's, you know, mm-hmm. yeah it was well, uh, i'll give you one more go ahead john yeah um get info if you do get info on a photograph um especially when they've taken with a well any photograph really unless you strip the information out, but it will give you uh, the dimensions, the make of the camera, the model. I'm, I'm looking at one of my older pictures right now, the latitude and longitude. Oh, so That's it has interesting. So get info will show you GPS coordinates. Interesting. If the camera, yeah, if, if, it's, it's if they're there, the camera. Yeah. 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 Huh? Yeah. I think on iOS, I think you can disable it if you turn off location services for the camera. I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you may not want people to know where you've been. Yeah, my uncle every now and then sends me pictures um, from places where he is visiting and and then says, guess where I am. And of course, the first thing I do is open them in preview, which will not only... uh, show you the longitude and latitude but it will parse it and then uh, overlay it on a map so you can really easily see but he's he, i mean he's a super smart you're human. about four feet to the right of the mean entrance of yeah he he strips <laughs> oh, okay. that he strips that data out now when he sends uh, okay. me pictures in fact i think he has always stripped it out i mean he's a he's a computer okay. programmer for a living so like he he gets this stuff so yeah he um actually i don't i don't know if i should talk about some of the things he's programmed. I think I can say that he spent almost two decades out uh, on the Marshall Islands. So you can 
maybe if you know things about the Marshall Islands, you might be able to uh, to do that. He did so as a civilian. I will also point out. So, yeah, I didn't get to see him this weekend because it, it turns out that, yes, uh, I did have covid last week while we were doing the show, but but no longer just a little bit of lingering this. So, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, Elliot actually reminds me of something that I did in my COVID haze last weekend. Uh, Elliot says, quick tip, if it hasn't been said already, do not upgrade your phone to the iOS 16 beta or any beta uh, before your vacation abroad or really your vacation anywhere. I'm up to the latest developers beta and battery life remains scathingly low, even with all the usual measures like background app update and location awareness turned off for most or all apps. Or be sure to carry your fully charged power bank with you at all times. Yeah, I did. I put the iOS 16 beta on my phone uh, in the past week here. And there were a few days of it sort of chewing through battery. But I, in looking at, at settings battery, it seemed like most of that was it sort of reparsing and re-indexing all of my photos, which happens on Ooh. device. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's got all the different recognition stuff. And so the new operating system has new ways of recognizing photos. And so it needs to go back through them and parse them all. So um, it would have been nice for them to set that up to do that whilst plugged in. It it usually <laughs> does. Yeah. But um, but yes. Yeah. The betas also generally and this is generally I can't speak specifically to the iOS 16 ones, but but generally they have taken more logs and done things like that, which can also, um, you know, kind of incur a, a battery cost. So, well, that's why it's a beta to find yeah. that stuff. Yeah. 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 But after a couple of days, it's been totally fine. In fact, I, I've, okay. I've really been enjoying it. The, the customizable lock screens are it like really handy. And I realize obviously that, you know, Apple is the last one to this party, of customizable lock screens, but yeah, it's been, it's been great. I've, I've, I've been enjoying it. Of course, like three days after I, I did that, that's when I realized, Oh wait, I got to go to Dallas for podcast movement later this month. And I booked my trip. So it's like, well, hopefully the betas are, hopefully it's fine, but it, it has been fine the last couple of days. So it's all good. That's um, I got my watch on it and everything, you know, that's all. That's great. I have you guys. Are, I, I, Pete, with all your travel, I'm assuming you don't move to betas on your at least on your daily driver phone. Is that right? I don't. No, yeah, I don't. don't blame you. I'd like to at times, but like, yeah, I, it would wind up being a, a problematic. Yeah, when you're not at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, John? Have you moved to the betas yet on any of your devices? No, because I only have one phone. Well, same. And I'm not going to do that. And you know what's unfortunate? I, I don't know if we mentioned this, but one strategy a lot of people would use, and I did use at the time, is get an iPod Touch if you want to run the beta OS. Sure. Sure. Unfortunately, Apple has discontinued. Right. The, yeah. or, or some love calling it the iTouch, mostly to aggravate people that hate that, can <laughs> hate it being mangled. Like, oh, hey, you know, I got the latest eye touch. It's not an eye touch. <laughs> but yeah, it's sad that they, uh, that there may be, I think I looked and I think there's still some in the refurb store. Maybe I'll pick one up before they all go away. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean. It's too bad. That was a good device. You don't, I, the, I think 
there's a lot of reasons the iPod touch went away. One of them is that uh, it is that you can get an iPhone super cheap. So you could buy a spare iPhone for the price of an iPod touch, especially Mm. go go to the refurb store and grab an iPhone SE. Right. You know that Mm. like you're going to pay. It it, it starts the, the delta between what you would have been paying for an iPod touch and and that iPhone SE starts to become a negligible, okay. yeah. So that would be that would be one way to do it for sure. Um, but I don't know, you know. That's um, oh yeah. And and now that you mention that, it, that may still even without any kind of a SIM card in it. I think the requirement is it allows you to dial nine one one with it. If true. You it for that purpose. That's true. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, I only have one iPhone, John, and I, um, I mean, I, we have our, our one iPhone that is a spare amongst the family. So I, I suppose, but I mean, I've never, I've, I've always put the beta on in August at some point, you know, I rarely is it June or July, sometimes maybe depending on what my travel schedules look like, but certainly, you know, by, by this time in August, I've got the beta on and I've never had a scenario where it just like completely craters the phone. And if it does, you do a DFU restore and you can roll back from the beta to a right. Right. Like that's how you do that uh, on both your M one or an M two, your Apple Sil- and on all of your Apple Silicon devices, your iPhones, your iPads, your M one and M two max. Uh, if you want to roll back from a beta, it's with a DFU restore. So, which is fascinating that your Mac just becomes like a big iPad when, when it's time to do that, but it's how it works. So, yeah. Yeah. So I found one it's out of stock, but a uh, refurb iPod touch 32 gig space gray seventh generation, which I think is the latest and last 169. So that's not bad. Uh, all right. Devices that will run iOS 16. So would, does the iPod touch, um, work with the, right. Cause that would be the question is, uh, I don't see it on the list. No, no, it does not. The iPod touch won't support iOS 16. So, so, uh, if you want iOS 16, don't do that. But mm-hmm. like the, the iPhone SE from both 2020 and 2022 will support, um, yeah. So, yeah. So there's your, there's your path to that. So. Fun yeah, stuff. They're, and they're like, not a thousand dollars like some other phones. Yeah, exactly. Other Apple yeah. Phones. Oh no. Like when, when I was looking at webcams here, uh, you know, and I, I said on the show, I'm like, I, I want a decent webcam. This was before we knew that Apple was, um, was moving to the, uh, you know, to, to uh, the supporting, I can't, I can't think of the name of the term. I blame the, the COVID, um, the, the thing where you can use your iPhone as your, your webcam for your Mac, uh, people, you know, and I said, look, if I could spend four or 500 bucks on a, a decent webcam, I would do that. And people were like, you can get reincubates camo, which I use and buy an iPhone SE, uh, third generation. Cause you'll pay like four forty nine brand new for that. Or if you can get it refurb mm-hmm. less. And you get all of the iPhone, you know, uh, 13 cameras and goodness, and it's going to cost you about 400 bucks. And it's funny. I had about a week 
yeah, maybe a week and a half before WWDC, I had dinner with a friend, an old, old, old friend who works on a team at Apple that certainly was very aware of this feature. And somehow it just came up at dinner. Uh, I'm like, you know, we were talking about how Apple's a camera company. There were no secrets shared at dinner. It's not, it's, you know, I, I, I don't do that to my friends. And, uh, and it came up at dinner, you know, that Apple is more of a camera company than a phone company. And I, I started ranting about this and, and Lisa didn't realize what I use as a camera here. Cause I use an iPhone 10 R with reincubates camo. And, uh, and I said, you know, I explained what I was doing. She's like, wait, you use an iPhone as your camera in the studio? I'm like, yeah, it's stupid. I had to rig up this, this, this weird, like stand for it and everything. And we all just laughed. My friend has the best poker face in the world because he said and let on absolutely nothing about what was coming, you know, and going to be announced in a week and a, a half. week later. Right. Yeah, it which, was like a week later. With which, Tim Cook. Says, hey, look at this. Yeah, exactly. Which clearly he and his team had been working on for, you know, probably the last year. And I guarantee you when the patents come out, his name will be on them. So it's like, great. You know, you got a good poker face. I like it. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> which is as it should be when you have that kind of job. Like that's, yeah. that's you give him any jazz about it afterwards. Go. Hey, nice job. I did. Yeah. He just, he, yeah. he, he did not acknowledge, which is as those things always go. It's just I, how I it's can either it, confirm or deny. Yeah. It, it doesn't <laughs> like that doesn't even need to be said. It's just like, I'm going yeah. to acknowledge this thing and I don't expect uh, any reaction from you because we, we both know we both know exactly what's going on here, and there's no reason to have it written anywhere. So No need to say it. <laughs> there's no reason to say it, but I'm still going to say it because yeah. I get to. <laughs> That's one of the benefits right. of, you know, yeah, yeah. not having worked. Or being for, a broadcaster. <laughs> of being, yeah, and not having worked for Apple for, you know, 25 years or whatever yeah. it is. Like, you know, yeah. working for Apple for 25 years does come with some benefits. Uh, I'm, I'm sure if one were to play their stock options the right way, it would, it would change a lot of things about your retirement. But um, there you go. But there's things you can't talk about either. So it's fine. It's, uh, you know, it's like it's just how it goes. Oh, no, no judgment. It's great. All right. One last, I'll call it a quick tip. It's, it's really a PSA from listener Gary that Amazon drive uh, has announced that it is shutting down and will be sunset at the end of 2023. So you have a year and a half to go. If you're using Amazon drive, the whole photos thing and all of that, I, I as I understand it remains intact. But Amazon Drive itself is uh, is is not going to uh, not going to be a thing anymore. That's that's had an interesting evolution. Amazon Drive has. But um, yeah, so they say the apps that the service will will exist through December 31st of 2023. Um, uploads are going away as of January 31st, 2023. And the apps for Android and iOS will be removed from the store on Halloween of this year, October 31st, for those of you who don't know when Halloween is. Wow. Yeah. So they've done it the right way. Like, that's a that's a smart way of doing it. Shutting down, you know, if they were to just do it all on, on December 31st of 2023, they would invariably have to come out with some announcement like, we're leaving the service up for an extra three months longer than we planned because uh, a bunch of you uploaded stuff on New Year's Eve day, you know, so 
Like, I, yeah, I, it's, whoops. yeah, whoops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's smart. But uh, yeah, thanks for the heads up on that, Gary. That's that's great stuff. Good, good. All right. Um, we have some questions of yours. I have a, 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 a life anecdote to share with some technological uh, enhancements peppered in. And uh, we have a few sponsors to talk about, John, if now is a good time for that for you, my friend. It is. All right. First up is Collide at K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash M-G-G. Traditional endpoint security tools can make your workplace feel like a surveillance state. It can turn your users and the IT team into adversaries and ultimately drive your employees to work on unsecured personal devices. It doesn't have to be this way. Collide is a device security solution built around honest security. Their philosophy is that employees aren't your biggest security risk. They're your biggest allies, and your relationship with them should be based on transparency and informed consent. Collide works by notifying your employees of security issues via Slack and giving them step-by-step instructions on how to resolve them themselves. So for IT and security teams, Collide provides the right level of visibility for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices, and it can answer questions about your fleet security that traditional MDMs cannot. You can meet your security goals without compromising your values. Like I said, visit collide.com slash MGG to find out more. If you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. Hey, listen, if your doctor can recite every line from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off but can't remember your name, it's time to get a new doctor with ZocDoc because a man with priorities so far out of whack doesn't deserve such a fine patient. ZocDoc is a free app that shows your doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. Whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mold checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivered to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with a few taps, and then you can find and review local doctors. Now, when you walk into a doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. You go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that's right for you, book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. I've used ZocDoc to look up doctors and get reviews. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MGG. ZocDoc.com slash MGG. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Next up is BB Edit. You know how much I love BB Edit. It's open right now on my Mac. I use it for all kinds of things. I do so many things with text. And you know what? I bet you do, too. Until you start thinking about it, you don't quite realize it. But there's so much that we do with text. You might be editing a config file. You might be taking a piece of data and comparing it to another. BB Edit can do all of that. It can also be your editor for all the programming that you do. And one of my favorite things with it is that it has a built-in FTP client 
that will open and save from the server so seamlessly that you don't even realize that you're not saving to your local disk. I go and make edits. I hit command S. And when it's an FTP file, it knows that and it automatically saves it over FTP back to the server. It's amazing. It's not just all these things. It's lots of others. Now, BB Edit has a notes system that helps you avoid the clutter of untitled text documents. You can create notes from any convenience source, the clipboard, wherever, and notes are automatically named and managed by the app. Whatever you do with text, even if it's from the terminal, you can launch BB Edit that way and get right into it. You're going to want BB Edit. Go to barebones.com. They've got a generous eval model, 30 days of fully functioning app to try out, and then a fresh eval period for all customers with older versions pre-14 who were running in free mode. You want to check it out. Go to barebones.com. And our thanks to Barebones and BB Edit for sponsoring this episode. All right. Um, you know, we, I've mentioned on this show, certainly in pre-show, but I think in the middle of the show too, that we, this year we built a new, uh, patio out on the back of our house and you know, it, it was full of all of the things that you think a project like that would be full of the uh, changes to the plans, the uh, enhancements to the budget, uh, all of those things. But uh, it has it has been finished for about a month now, and it is spectacular. We're spending so much more time outside. They, they, I read somewhere after we did it uh, that one of the best things you can do for quality of life is to give yourself outdoor living space. And, uh, and I can uh, certainly over the last month attest to that. One of the things we put out there was a hot tub. We did not wind up getting a hot tub with Wi-Fi capability. And I... I I mean, it's fine. You just push the buttons on the hot tub when you want to turn the jets on and off. It's really not a big deal. But that would have been one of those things. We did, however, technologically enhance a few parts about this patio. One uh, that I think I've mentioned on this show a couple of times is that we bring our Sonos Roam outside with us. I, I have yet to put permanently installed uh, Sonos speakers outside. I don't know that I will. The Roam is easy enough to bring. And the cool part about it is it supports both the Amazon A-Lady and the Sonos voice control. So I can do all kinds of things with it, including controlling all of my lights and things like that, which is really nice. If we're out there at night, I can tell it to turn off the rest of the lights in the yard so that it's it's uh, it's handy. So having some sort of smart home controller Voice controller outside is spectacular. Highly recommend it. And the, the Sonos Roam is a perfect way to do that because it's battery powered and, and all those things. Um, the one thing that makes a huge difference for us in it's something I've mentioned on the show or it's a company I've mentioned on the show over the years is the mosquito ridding products from a company called Thermocell. Thermocell, uh, when we first talked about them, we were talking about their portable units, uh, which is all they had at the time. Uh, they now and those work great, by the way, they they use either and it depends on the product, either a natural or synthetic um, of a some type of oil that's in chrysanthemums, guys. It's it, and that seems to be. Yeah, it's it. It works amazingly well. It's. Um, it not only sort of repels mosquitoes, but it also discourages them from being eager to bite if they happen not to have been repelled. And I will tell you, with these thermostel things going on our patio, we just don't 
see mosquitoes. And even if we do see them, we've never been bitten. And we live in the woods of New Hampshire. Like we it's yeah. it's a it's a mosquito disaster there every evening. Every ever since we moved in here, we have been doing something and usually multiple things uh to mitigate mosquitoes and have failed up until we found Thermocell. Well, Thermocell now has what they call Thermocell Live, which is their, I'll call it a permanent installation. It's, I mean, you can move it around. It's not a big deal, but it's, it's, it's plugged into the wall. It is meant to be outdoors year round. You can leave the the things out through the winter, uh, and it's because those mosquitoes are bad in January. And well, you just might not want to have to bring <laughs> yeah, the stuff inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hear you. But yeah, yeah but it um, we, we put three of these things around our, our patio and it's Wi-Fi controllable. I can do it with an app on my phone. The Amazon a lady does it takes about five minutes for the system to sort of warm up and start doing its thing. And it's fantastic now because if, you know, we're sitting uh, after dinner or something, I say to Lisa, hey, you want to go in the hot tub? And she says, yeah. I just tell the A-Lady, hey, turn on Thermocell. And by the time we get down there and out there, the system's up and running and good to go. And we just don't have mosquitoes out on the patio, man. I, like, it's amazing. Is there any smell? Is there any odor? Nope. Interesting. I know. It's fascinating. It yeah. It is like it, like the uh, the the synthetic, especially there, like there is some level of it being a carcinogen, I think, but it's not putting out anything close to those levels, um, you know, sure. from the from the things. But, yeah, it works. It, it's it's absolutely the best thing I've ever seen for mosquitoes. And you get to link it with your smart home. So, like, it's it's great. You can set the colors of the little units and all that good stuff. Uh, the other night. We did an interesting thing. In fact, it, this was most definitely, and I'm frustrated being, you know, not being able to go out the, the, uh, last weekend with COVID and all that stuff. And I thought, you know, I have one of these uh, Nebula Capsule 2 projectors. And it's from Nebula is one of the Anchor brands. So we love Anchor. And it's a, a little battery powered uh Looks like it's a projector, but it looks like a one of those sort of uh, tubular uh, portable speakers. It not all that different in form factor from like the Sonos Rome. It's it's just one of those pill kind of shaped things, and it's got a little tripod mount on the bottom of it. And I had used it inside and like messed with it over the years, but I never. I'd always thought, wow, you know, it would be cool to have this outside. And last weekend, I thought, well, the only thing I need is a screen. So I looked on Amazon, and for 60 bucks, I bought a uh, a screen that sets up in like five minutes. It's super easy. That's a 100-inch screen. And the other night, we put it outside. We lit the fire pit, and we watched a show out on the patio. No mosquitoes. The fire was going. We had the little projector doing its thing. It was it was spectacular. This little projector is amazing. It's only I say only maybe I shouldn't 200 lumens, uh, you know, and it's it's like 500 bucks. I mean, it's you know, it's not a trivial expense, but it's also not 2500 bucks like you would pay for a, you know, 2000 lumen projector that you'd put in your house or whatever. But um, it's a 720p. It The speakers in it. Uh, they're wisely placed on the back of it. So it projects out the front and projects the video out the front and the sound out the back. And it was more than enough. I kind of expected that I'd have to, you know, plug in a, a separate speaker or something, but no. Uh, in fact, we didn't even have the volume all the way up. We had it almost all the way up, 
but not all the way up. And it was totally fine. Even when the air conditioner unit around the corner kind of kicked in for the house, it was still like plenty clear to hear the the show over the speakers. And this very interesting. These things are amazing. Um, And I, I know most projectors do this now, but they it auto tunes itself to the screen so because it, it auto keystones itself. So, you know, the projector yeah. is almost certainly going to be lower than the middle of the screen. Right. Because if it was in the middle of the screen, it would block right. your view. Right. So you put the projector lower, you kind of angle it up at the screen. And then when it turns on or any time it notices that it's been moved, it rejigger, it puts a, a little, you know, its own image on the screen. So it knows what it should look like. And then uh, my guess is it has a camera in there. And it adjusts itself, and you can see it, and done. And it makes ours is um, the R two D two model, so it actually does make R two D two noises, which is yeah, great. There you go. Yeah, but um, it, like it looks like R two D two too. But uh, but it just you know frames it out, and you get a, a square image, and it looks great. And uh, if you have to move it because you know you're like ah, I want to, I want it over here, or I want it further away so that I get a better picture, a bigger picture. Boom, good to go. That's and it's, awesome. It's I'll have an- to bring up. My, uh, I, I don't know what brand I have. I have one as well. That's yeah. about 200, maybe 300 lumens. Yeah. Um, that, that, that means it has to be dark. It does have it to be dark in a semi-lit room. That's correct. So that's but, correct. Uh, I brought mine. It's, it's it, the size of a couple cell phones. I brought mine when I was, you know, locked down in China, locked down in Japan, locked down, down in Korea. I'd bring them in. So when I was three days in a hotel room in China, like I'm setting up the popcorn, I'm getting my vodka tonics and I'm going to watch movies. Yeah. Uh, So so those things are great. Uh, And I've done it in the backyard getting ready for Top Gun uh, Maverick to come out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A buddy of mine came over, brought his son. I brought my son out in the backyard and we played the original Top Gun and and used the Sonos move. Actually, you can. You can wire that in and make okay. make it for that because the music in Top Gun is, is yeah you want it right I can certainly was it for the script <laughs> yeah 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 right 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 so um, which did, when someone said well how was Top Gun Maverick you know was was it good was it was, well it couldn't be worse than the first one at least story wise you know how was the story it, it yeah it, it was better than the first but you know that goes without saying. Um, but the flying was amazing. In the uh, yeah, I enjoyed the heck out of the Top Gun Maverick. I, yeah. I, I fantastic yeah. movie. Yeah. Really well done. That was a fun movie. Yeah, fun movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I still need to take Debbie to see that one, but ah. the boys loved it. That's great. That's so, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that, those those projectors are amazing. Um, that uh, you get a dark night and and yeah, we, on the wall. I, we, I didn't realize the speaker that the speaker on mine isn't that good. So okay. I used the Sonos move, but, but I've always done it with four, four or six people, not two people. So yeah, it was, well, it was three of yeah. us and we were, you okay. know, we had this thing. I mean, we were probably a good 15 feet away from the unit, maybe 10 mm. because we were all on the other side of the fire pit. And, and that okay. was interesting. Like we went out at about eight o'clock at night. Uh, it does it. But it did okay at about six thirty. Sun sunset that day in New Hampshire here was eight oh three p.m. But by about six thirty, it was viewable. Uh, at eight, it was certainly fine. It wasn't dark yet, sure. but it was you know no. it was watchable in the in the like noon sunlight. You could barely see anything on the on the screen, yeah. obviously. But well, you've also got trees. Whereas mine, I have a west facing back wall, so I okay. couldn't do anything. Yeah, after the sun was clearly down. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we, we're on the light on that wall. Our patio is on the east side of the house, so by about four o'clock, yeah. 
our entire patio is in shade from the house. Um, so yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, I was surprised because I, I thought, well, if we're going to light the fire pit, that's going to add quite a bit of light right in our path. And I even took some pictures like it, like the, the fire pit certainly added light to the screen. I mean, it's a white screen is how that works. Yeah, but it was it was fine. Yeah, even with 200 lumens. So obviously now I want to check out one of the 2500 lumen ones and see what I can get away with. But um, but that's just because I'm Broad a nerd. Daylight. Yeah, exactly. It's just because I'm a nerd. That's how it goes. Yeah. Fun stuff, though. It's, um, you know, we we intentionally didn't like over technologicalize because that's a word our uh, our patio and and the TV thing, you know, the projector thing is definitely, you know, we we watched one show and then it was like, oh, that was fun. And then it was like, oh, so we watched something else about halfway through the next one. It was like, this isn't necessarily what I want my patio to become every day. But, you know, for the right movie. For watching maybe, uh, uh, you know, we're fish fans here of, of the band. They live stream all of their concerts to do a, a to watch a concert out on the patio with the music going oh, and the fire pit. Right. Like that kind of thing would be great. Um, I could see watching, you know, Thursday night football or Monday night football or Sunday night football or something out there could be fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, well, in the before it gets too cold, obviously. But, you know. Yeah, those right. kinds of again in January, not so much. Maybe not so much. Yeah, those that we'd have to really. But crank the mosquitoes up the... won't bother you because you got your. <laughs> That's right. That's the mosquitoes won't bother me, and I have the thermocell system. And in January, those yeah. two facts may or may not be as related as they are in August. That's right. Yeah. There you go. <sighs> so that actually brings me to a mini geek challenge. I think. Dave. All right, I'm in. You talked about, and here it is. It's it's about the the A lady, and the S lady. And I've noticed recently, and I can't, I, I've never written it down, but several times recently I'll say, hey, turn off the living room lamp on my watch. And yeah. she'll come back and go, you can't do that. The Google app isn't installed. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I have never, never used the Google app for any of that. What What's going on there? Any idea? I, I have heard that. John? To, John, did you say, did, yeah, do you have a thing? Well, I got a thing, but I want to let you finish first. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I, I, I have experienced that. I don't know why it does that. Um, I mean, it's smart home stuff. Like the other night with the A lady, I wanted, we had left the lights on in the living room and they sort of spill out onto the patio and we were in the hot tub and I wanted to see the stars. And so I said, A lady, turn off living room lights. And it said, I can't control that. And so I said, A lady, turn off living room. And the lights went off. These things are imperfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. My favorite thing, my favorite thing, my favorite thing about the A-Lady. Oh, by the way, have you had her do that to you? You ask her, like, what's the weather? Or, you know, can you convert, you know, uh, cups to, to ounces or whatever? And yeah. she'll Ru give you. Rupees to drums. <laughs> yeah, right. She'll give you your answer. And then, by the way, and she starts prattling on. With some thing that might be tangentially related to what we were talking about, but I definitely didn't want to know. Oh, by the way, if I could turn that off, that's my geek challenge. Mm -hmm. There you go. I don't know. Anyway. Thinking All right. think, uh, one other thing. It yes, just came to mind. Go and I oh, go, go, John, go, John. Go. So wrestling with the A-Lady. Here's a mini tip. Okay. So. 
I swapped out one of my, I think it was second generation dots for a third generation dot because it has better sound and it's just the latest thing. Yep. Uh, for the life of me, well, I eventually found it, but the thing is, so I disconnected one and then plugged in another. But when I went to um, the devices page, uh, devices page in the uh, A-Lady app, uh, it showed one there, but it wouldn't go away. It said disconnected. And I'm like, well, yeah, how do I get rid of you? Here's how you get rid of it. It's buried deep within the Amazon website. So you go to account, digital services and device support, manage devices. It will then show you all the compatible devices. Um, click on one, then click on one again. And there's going to be a deregister option. That's how I had to get rid of it. But it wouldn't let me do wow. it on, on the iOS app, or at least I couldn't figure a way. You know, I held down on it and, you know, tried to, you know, do something, but it just didn't offer it. So, I mean, it wasn't, I, I mean, everything was working, but it was just annoying. It's like, I want to get rid of this device because I don't have it hooked up anymore. Right. It's not, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's decommissioned. Huh. Mm -hmm. Huh. All right, nice find. That's great, man. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Ah. You know, what came to mind, and I have no idea how it came in there, except the uh, ladies and we're geeks and all that kind of stuff. I, I just wanted to acknowledge that uh, we lost Lieutenant O'Hara this week. Mm -hmm. Michelle yeah. Nichols just passed. So yeah. that was sad. Uh, neat gal. Always, uh, you know, from the earliest days, you know, it's just women on the flight deck doing what they do. That's right. Like, yeah. And, you know, we didn't realize they were groundbreaking. We were little kids, and that's just the way it was. So, okay. it, it, yes, I, I agree. Star Trek seemed normal to me. Yeah. 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 Which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. It, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I think that leaves uh, uh, Captain Kirk and Chekhov. Is Chekhov still alive? I think he's still alive. I think so. And Sulu. And Sulu. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think huh. that's it. That's it. Well, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Huh. Time, time is going fast. It does. It, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, um, <laughs> it, it does. It's, it's just how it is. It's, yeah. it's how it is. Yeah. All right. Um, we've got time for a, speaking of time and trying to figure mm -hmm. out how to transition from that into cool stuff found. I'm going to transition from that into cool stuff found. John, you found a, uh, a new version of an old friend. Yes. Um, you want to see what's happening on your network? Well, this is the tool that you want to use. Uh, and it's called Wireshark. Now, I remember in the bad old days, to deploy this on a Mac, you had to use X window, and there was all sorts of, you know, issues um, with the, you know, I think X quartz you had to use. Or yeah. Anyways, it was pain in the neck. Well, now they finally have a uh, native app. Um, what's nice about it, though, is that also in the bad old days, the thing that I remember is that once you installed it, um, you then had to grant permission to access the network interface. And to do that was a pain in the neck. And if you didn't do that, you wouldn't see any traffic. Um, fortunately, this new version, when you start it up, it's like, oh, well, I, I got to pick an interface uh, to talk to, but you can't because 
you have to run this program first. And they obviously include it in the installer. And I'm like, okay, let's see how this works. And, you know, clicked on it. Um, it seemed to do something, quit the app, and then started it up again. Um, but the cool part about this is that you can learn a lot about how TCP IP works. Uh, basically, what you do is, is you run the program, and then you click on the play button, and it will start capturing all of the traffic that it can see. Um, and you can learn a bit about how networks work. For example, it shows the destination and the, or, or the source of the destination of a packet that it sees. Well, that, you know, that's some good information. Um, it'll show the protocol. Most of the ones I see here are UDP or TCP. Where it gets interesting is when the protocol is HTTP, because that's typically a browser talking to someone. Um, but we have a link to it. You know, check this out if you're curious about what's happening on your network. You can also capture it and then analyze the, the data later. And you can also filter on a million different um, criteria because you may not want to see all the traffic. You'll be surprised how much is happening on your network, oh, like yeah. even within a second. Um. So I have a question about this, though. It's interesting. I was I was diagnosing something with my network recently and talking to the uh, Eero tech support folks uh, actually on their Reddit page, which last night uh, we're recording this on Friday. Last night was was hidden and I'm still trying to figure out why. Um, but anyway, they they used to provide great tech support. And hopefully by the time the show airs are back to that on their Reddit page and I was uh, they were advising me not to use any sort of spanning tree protocol on the network with Eero stuff. And it turns out I had one switch where that was still enabled and I disabled it. And it I, like and since then, I haven't had the cascading network failures that I was having leading up to it. So I think that that like that's good advice. Don't don't turn on STP or RSTP. Um, but I I said in the. Exchange. I'm like, would it be helpful for me to run Wireshark and look at the, you know, the the packet data and see what I'm seeing when one of these cascades is happening? And their comment was, well, not really, because Wireshark will only if you're on a switched network, which you are, the switches mm -hmm. do their jobs and only send traffic to the ports that are supposed to get it. They're not sending, it's not like a hub where it sends all traffic to all ports. It knows, okay, well, this is supposed to go to that device. So I'm only going to send mm -hmm. it to that device. And, and he said, so uh, Wireshark probably wouldn't tell you what you wanted to see because it's going to keep all of that stuff from you uh, by design. And I know there's like a promiscuous mode that you can put network devices in that says, show me everything does Wireshark account for that in any way that you found, John? Uh, I think it was in one of the preference menus. I'll, I'll okay. Look. I, I'm guessing it would be. Um, so we'll we'll see what we can find. And, and if we can, I, I searched while we were talking here, I searched on Wire, Wireshark site and I did find an Ethernet capture setup. Uh, screen which I believe talks about promiscuous mode, um, so I will uh, I will put that out there because because obviously that changes things if you get to see traffic that's not meant just for whatever device you happen to be sniffing from. So fun, yeah. But wouldn't those 
spanning tree protocol messages. Um, wouldn't those broadcast? Probably, but I I think it. I don't think the STP messages themselves were the problem. Mm. I think it was having them on allowed the Eero to start passing other data that it shouldn't have been passing. And I think it was causing some something approximating a network loop, although I really don't know. Um, I just know that the problem is now gone, and I'm very, 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 very happy about that. So Because uh, it was just a pain. Like, all of a sudden, for 30 minutes, the network would be unusable. And I, I narrowed it down to one segment of the network, but it, nothing made sense. And even that, like, that one segment did not have uh, – was not the one with the switch that had STP enabled, but, but yes, you're right. STP packets. I think you're right that they would be broadcast because otherwise, like how would they get to the places they're supposed to get to? Like, that's the whole idea is you broadcast them until you start blocking them. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, listener Jeff has a, Cool stuff found for you, for you, for us. I think it might be a repeat of a cool stuff found, but it's been a little while. Uh, He says, I had uh, an old audio application that I installed on my Mac a few years ago. I eventually uninstalled it and a few weeks ago reinstalled it to play with it again. After uninstalling the second time, I noticed that it was still listed as a device in my input and output tabs of the sound preference pane. I had uninstalled the app with the most current version of clean my Mac, but what was uh, there was clearly still some remnant left over that was registering it as a device. I searched on Google and found a few sites that said, go into various folders under library and system and to look for a specific uh, text file. I searched and searched and didn't find anything with spotlight or going to those folders directly. I even tried to search for the software title, And didn't find anything. The software developer even had their own uninstaller that didn't do anything. And then I stumbled across an app that I'm submitting to Cool Stuff Found called Find Any File from Thomas Templeman. Could this be the answer, I asked? I downloaded the file. I installed it. I ran it. I entered part of the file name of the hidden file. And boom, there were the results. I was able to delete them from Find Any File directly. I rebooted my Mac, went back to the sound prep pane, clicked on input and output, and the device was gone. Oh, the joy. Uh, if others need this app, you can find it at uh, temple.org. We'll put a link in the show notes at MacKeyCab.com for six bucks. And it's on the Mac App Store for $7.99. So you can save yourself a little money if you don't want to uh, add to Apple's coffers. Uh, of note, I was able to download the app from the dev's website without being asked to purchase the app uh, and the app working, but it's definitely worth the money if you need this app on a regular basis and it helps support the developer. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, man, you uh, you avoided getting caught. Nicely done. I like it. Yeah, I I wish there was an easier way to tell Spotlight, look everywhere, please. When I'm searching for files like that, why is right? right, Why is this a thing? Like, I know this functionality is built into Mac OS. In fact, if you go to the terminal and you use the right incantation, you can use the find command from the terminal to find any file. Uh, You you have to figure out what you're supposed to type and where and all that stuff. But it is doable. Why? Why does it? Why does a third party have to be the one? I mean, I'm glad that, you know, uh, Thomas builds this and we're able to leverage it. But 
Apple has literally gone out of their way to make sure their their file find functionality, say that 10 times fast, is n- incomplete, intentionally incomplete. Do you think it's to pr- protect system files? Now, but now, you know, the thing is they've put the system as a, as opposed to your data on separate volumes. So no, it's it always be been this way. It, it's I yeah. think it's intentionally not wanting you to stumble onto system files that you would then delete without knowing right. what you were doing. And yeah, we'll I see. I get that. That's fine. That costs them money. They have to then support you. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. And it and it reduces the uh, joyful experience that you would have with your Mac. Otherwise, I totally get sure. it. Can there be some checkbox that says I, I, I want to I need to look for something that's that you are intentionally hiding? And I know there sort of is, but not the way you'd want. So anyway, I'm glad this exists. Thank you, Jeffrey. Well, yeah, Jeff, the way you're talking about is. Is in the finder, if you do a uh, command F. Um, you can then say kind. Uh, oh, gosh, it's gone. So. Uh, there's a there's a kind and then you got to say other i haven't set it up on this machine right uh there was a way for yeah yeah, and you can say find system yeah it looks like they've changed that i agree with you this used to be an easier thing you used to be able to like hold down the option key or something and add to this list Hmm. yeah kind is oh interesting yeah yeah, I used to have in the... Comp- oh, it's it, 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 it's still there. In the... Uh, if you c- command F in the finder and then hover over or click on where it says kind and go to uh-huh. other and then there'll be a huge list on the screen and just filter that down for system and you will see include oh. system files such as preference files and plugins. And so now if you you do that and come back, click on kind again in that menu... And system files will be a uh, an option, and you can choose to include them or not include them. So it's still there, yeah. But I've tried it with this, and it's, that was not intuitive, though, because having to click on the first one, kind, yeah, yeah that's just not intuitive. No, no. But I've it, this does sort of expand it, but there are still some things that it hides from you. There, okay, okay, yeah. 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 Well, it's nice that that find any file has has broken through that that glass ceiling or that mesh wall. That mesh wall. Yeah. That the wall that doesn't, that shouldn't exist. Yeah. Good, good, good memory, John. That's great. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I have a geek challenge because it has happened 10 times during this show. So I'm going to go ahead and, and use host privilege to, to ask for help. We've talked about this on the show before and no one's come up with an answer. There's this thing that happens when a window is frontmost and you go and click on somewhere else in another window. Instead of bringing that second window forward, what happens is it drags the first window to where you just clicked your mouse as though you had grabbed the title bar and moved it. And this happens to me routinely uh, on my Macs. And I don't know why, and I really want to stop it. It's clearly some software thing where it thinks, oh, he meant to drag that window. The button's not down. I guarantee you the button's not down because it's not coming with. It's, you know, I click and then I click again, and now the window is somewhere else. And it can be a real problem. Like when you're trying to do a live show like this and you have your stuff in certain spots, 
and then it doesn't want to stay in those certain spots because, you know, you it thought you decided to move it. So uh, if anybody has the answer to that uh, or even an idea of where to look, feedback at MacGeekCab.com, please. Did you say Whoa. feedback at MacGeekCab.com? I, I- I'm in India, but I heard feedback at me, MacGeekGab.com. Easy for you to say. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Patrick has a cool stuff found, unless either one of you has an answer for that question, but I, I'm guessing. It happens no. to me all the time, but uh, I'll, I'll let the other people solve it for you, Dave. I don't want it to. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate <laughs> it. That's right. You're leaving. Yeah. You know, I teed up. I don't up want to su- cut anyone out of the pattern. Yeah. That's right. I teed up such an easy one. You, you don't want to just yeah, take that. You know. Yeah. I appreciate it. I could solve it. I just choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> this is so off the chain. Uh, Sorry, brother. <laughs> Patrick says, a few weeks ago, Pete, you brought up that it is difficult to clean the keyboard on a Mac laptop. Well, try keyboard clean tool from foleyvora.ai. There's a link in the show notes, which entirely disables the keyboard. It's a free download uh, from the same developer of Better Touch Tool. And yeah, you uh, you just click to start cleaning mode and it locks the keyboard so that you can mash your, you know, cloth or whatever it is you want to put on the key. You can rub your butt across it. I mean, you could like Elton John yourself on that keyboard. Just don't there Keith you Emerson yourself. That's all. That's all I have to say. Well, about the problem that. is then then what's the keystroke to get it to on? You use your mouse unless the mouse starts jumping <laughs> oh. the window all over the place, in which case, yeah, there you go. You know, I don't know what to do. I, now what, you're out of luck. One thing I would I would say is uh, don't add this to your login items. <laughs> so, <yeah>. right. <laughs> Although I don't think it I don't think it starts. Uh, well, there actually there is. There's a checkbox where you can start cleaning mode immediately after starting this app again. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure saving one mouse click is worth what potential headache that could cause. So, I, you know, right. how do I undo this? How do I undo this? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, if your mouse works, you're fine. So, yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Good stuff. John, you have a, uh, a yet, yet another uh, sort of, I'll call it a, a, a cool stuff found redux, but which we've had uh, now, this will be the third one, I believe this week, but yeah, I mean, it's been three to 10 years since we've mentioned some of these. So it, they are well due for a uh, re-mention. So. Yes. So the, uh, the first one, did you know that your Mac is doing all sorts of things in the background to protect you from malicious software? Um, but well, you may not even know that's happening. Well, here's how you can know what's happening. Uh, it's an app called Silent Night from our friends at Eclectic Light. Uh, and it basically gives you the uh, the lowdown. It, it will show you uh, versions of various security things. It'll tell you with system integrity protection and what is SSV? I don't even know what that is. Um, uh, Xprotect which is there, um, you know, I'll show you the version of that. And actually, uh, and the versions of some other things. But what's really nice, the version of Gatekeeper, what's really nice is that it'll show you if a database is not up to date. And this actually happened on my system. It was like, oh, dude, your XProtect database is, is old. You want to update it? And it's like, okay. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So something you may want to run every now and then just to make sure that all your security stuff is... Uh, uh, the way it should be. I, I now remember I, I we looked before the show to see how recently we had mentioned this and it, it had been three years. 
I now remember exactly when I found out about this, John, and you were there. And in fact, I caused you and me and, and a bunch of other people great headache. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this app. I highly recommend using this app. Don't do what I do. What I did, though, we were at MacStock in person uh, in, I believe, 2019. And someone on stage, I'm going to guess it was Brett Terpstra, but who knows? I don't know who it was. Someone either on stage or in the room mentioned Silent Night. I'm like, oh, this sounds amazing. So I ran it and it said updates available. And I clicked install all updates because I wanted to be, be up to date, you know. Uh, and it said, well, for one of these updates, you need to restart your Mac. I'm like, I don't want to restart right now. That's fine. But whatever. Later that day, you and I had a live in-person Mac Geek Gab to record. And we, through the process, there was something wrong with the USB interface that didn't want to work. And so I'm like, well, let me just restart my Mac. And so I restarted my Mac for the first time since clicking the install all updates button earlier that day in silent night. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> 20, 25 minutes of updating Mac OS happened with a room full of people waiting to see a podcast about how to how to properly manage your Mac. <laughs> there was so much irony. It was dripping from the ceiling, folks. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was fine. It, it was one of those things where it humanized the whole thing, which we love to do here. I mean, we have problems with our computers just like you. In fact, it's the fact that we try new stuff all the time and break things that allows us to be able to do what we do for all of you, like it, this is part of how it works. And, and you got to see the sausage being made in a in a fantastic way. But uh, yeah, so that's um, that's when I learned about Silent Night, John. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So be sure that if you click install all updates, it truly does look for all updates, not just security updates. Uh, and I, I guess I had, you know, whatever version of mac os at the time i was you know dot one prior and it it was like oh yeah i'll go get that for you no problem so yeah yeah as kiwi graham in our chat room says experimentation equals research this is true this is true fun stuff all right uh where are we here oh lee we had our um we had our our synology hangout in our discord room on sunday night oh man well i completely forgot about that where was i sunday night i don't know oh i think i had just gotten home that was it i was home you for said- almost 48 hours from around the world and now i'm back out around the world i was so. gonna say it doesn't seem like yeah right. exactly well we learned a lot of things about synology we had a great conversation and we learned one thing about discord that there is a 25 person maximum in video calls so the next time we will be That's using. That's why I couldn't be there, Dave. I tried. I was, there I you go. There. See, if you had just let me <laughs> finish. Story and I'm stuck with That's it. right. You could have changed your story. <laughs> uh, but next time we will we will organize in Discord because that clearly is now our home. Uh, but we will. Well, I'll just drop a link for a Zoom room uh, for the next Hangout that we do, which is not yet scheduled, but it will be. And and we'll use my Zoom account, which has uh, it's a paid account. So it has I think I've got at least 100. And if we need to up that, we absolutely will. But, yeah, there was no way to add more. And I thought we I thought we did. So I didn't quite realize it until the end that this limit uh, was there. So my apologies to anybody who couldn't get in. However, listener Lee shares with us a uh, YouTube channel he found with some great Synology tricks and tips. Uh, 
and the YouTube channel is from someone called Space Rex, and it's Space Rex Will at YouTube. Of course, we'll put the uh, we'll put that in the show notes. There's a second YouTube channel. Thanks. So thank you for that, Lee. There's a second one that I will also add, and it's not just YouTube. In fact, it's YouTube and a website, Marius Hosting. Uh, at I believe it's MariusHosting.com. And I believe that website is hosted on his DS1522 Plus entirely, which is kind of cool. So um, that, that's a, that is a fantastic resource. In fact, I'm thinking it would be good to get Marius on the show here because I've, I've learned a ton from, his, uh, from his, his little how-tos. He's constantly posting okay. things. So, yeah. Um, and uh, Brian Monroe puts, uh, puts NAS compares out there, too. And he is correct. Uh, NASCompares.com is a, another great Synology resource. So, yeah. Yavol. Dave, there was one question up in there that, that we managed to get by. But since you're talking Synology, yeah. there's a question about proactively replacing the Synology drive. Uh, yeah. You know what? Let's. Um, I, I, I'd like to know about that because I, I pulled one that, was, that said I may be having problems, but then it wasn't reporting any. And I pulled the drive. And Synology was not happy with me, but I, I don't think I dismounted the drive first. So. Interesting. Um, I don't know why uh, I, I skipped it because I can't play the audio file today, Pete. Okay. But um, okay. It, but I'll, I'll but we're here, so I'm going to answer the question. JP had written in and said, "Look, you know, I've got drives in my disk station that are you know five to ten years old. Should I be worried about proactively replacing them?" and my my thoughts on this are are a little mixed. We did talk about this on Sunday night during our our hangout. And personally, for what I do with my disk station, and I think what most of us do for the disk stations we use sort of at home and for very light business use, I'll say, uh, I wouldn't proactively re- replace things. Uh, corporate and enterprises often just replace drives in their raid on a regular schedule. And and that makes sense. It, you know, it helps you budget for it, which, again, if you're a home user and you, you know, you want to have to budget for them, then that's fine, too, so that you don't have these surprise expenses. But um, but, you know, other than that, no, the, the most. But I do one thing that is proactive and I highly recommend if you're able and I keep a hot spare in each of my active disk stations, what a hot spare is. Is it as a, a, a drive that is at least as big as your largest drive? Because that's the uh, that that's the metric you have to hit when you are replacing a drive in your disk station. Is it has to be at least as big as your largest drive? So it sits in there and it sits unused. So it is using up a drive bay. So if I have a five bay unit, I have my volume one, you know, my main volume of the Synology, my only volume on those four bays. And then in the the one unused bay, and it doesn't have to be bay five, it can be any bay, uh, is where the hot spare lives. And the hot spare is there, it's ready to go, and it's unused. And I configure it as a hot spare in the Synology Manager. And when a drive dies, it just knows that it can go and use that other drive as part of the volume. So, I, and we talked about this on the show recently, where I, you know, I right. woke up one morning. And I got all these notifications that a drive had died and that it had started incorporating the hot spare into the volume. When that process finished, I pulled out the drive that died, threw it away, and ordered a new one from Amazon and popped that in. And now that 
is the hot spare. And so it doesn't matter what bay it's in. The Synology is totally fine with, you know, managing things that way. But you do have to dedicate one bay to being that hot spare. Uh, So that may or may not work for you. But that's that's sort of the one proactive thing that I do. But replace that. And that is my way of not only replacing drives when they need to be replaced, obviously, but also expanding the size of my disk station because I always buy a, a hot spare that is larger than my largest drive. And then that way I'm just sort of over time letting the volume naturally increase in size and hopefully doing it where the budget means that I'm probably spending the same for every disc I replace because storage gets usually gets cheaper as time marches forward. So does that help? That brings me to the question whether, yeah, it does. And that brings me to the question, which a simple yes, no will do. Can I retroactively change from, four drives to three and a hot spare. You can. Um, what? Okay. It, the, I think the way to do it is probably to tell it, Hey, I need to eject a drive, pull the drive. That's it. And, and let it and rebuild put the, with put what's the drive left. back in and say, Hey, it's hot. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. Say, okay. Put one back. in. Okay. All right. Don't, yeah. Take, if you have a hot spare, take it out. If you're going to do that, because otherwise it will just incorporate it. Yeah. When you, when you remove a drive from a volume on the Synology, If there is enough space left on the remaining disks, one of the repair options you can choose is to sort of rejigger the volume so that it's only, you know, number of drives minus one now. Uh, So you're going to have to kind of jump through those hoops to do it. It's not I mean, the the hoops are all right there up in front. It's not like you have to do anything magic, but you do need enough space. And I know that's obvious, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. To make that happen. So John, you want to, you want to round okay. out the show with one last cool stuff founder. If you have anything to add on this Synology thing. Um, no, not really. Okay. Um, the last one, we haven't talked about it in detail in a while. So yeah. we're going to do it now. Yeah. Time machine editor. Time machines. Great. Except it gets a little busy. If I recall, this is still the case, but it's going to try to back up every hour. And it's going to try to back up everything. Well, yep. that, that's another story. Um, you can exclude things from Time Machine. Sure. I think in the advanced. But anyways, so Time Machine Editor lets you change the interval at which this happens. Um, so there are three options. And, you know, some of these are newer than others. But sure. um, interval... You know, so every this do that uh, calendar interval and when when inactive. So be like be really smart because the the thing uh, may not be an issue with the super fast machines these days. But somehow, sometimes, I mean, this thing would get really busy at the wrong time. Time machine would, and we've had it. We've had it mess up some of our recordings. Like yeah, it, yeah, it, especially back in the old days when we were running on spindle drives before we moved to SSDs, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So what I do with this is, uh, so I sleep this machine at night, but what I do is I schedule a time machine backup at three a.m. in the morning. Uh, if your machine has power nap, which this does, it will do that in the background. And I don't think it, it wakes up. It just, it knows. It's like, oh, you scheduled a backup at three, three in the morning. Um, it also uh, creates local snapshots every hour if you want. 
probably not a bad thing to do because snapshots are handy. And that is a feature of like none of these things are. Are are things that are not features of Time Machine. This just lets you touch them in different ways, because like those local snapshots, Time Machine will create all the time if Mm -hmm. uh, if it's not backing up and then it'll it'll process through. Ah, Yeah, I like this. 3 a.m. Huh? All right. I like it. Or 9.30 in India. Thanks, Sorry. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's the way to bring it back around. I appreciate it. Cool. You know, just saying. Cool. And, th- and this works well for you, right, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I will add is that when you do this, it will, if you then, after you set a schedule in Time Machine Editor, if you go into System Preferences Time Machine, it will not if the, the whatever the option is i'll i'll bring it up uh it will appear as though it is not scheduled to do backups uh the backup automatically checkbox will be turned off in time machine in fact i think it might even tell you to do this and that's because that's only because you are not no longer using apple's scheduler you are using time machine schedule or time machine what's the name of the thing i can't remember time machine editors schedule uh, yeah, it really is still using Apple scheduler. It It's doing it all through. I think it's launch D. I don't think it's cron anymore, but um, but it, you're not controlling it Apple's way. You're controlling it um, this other way. So it is normal to go into time machine and see that backup automatically checkbox unchecked. And so I just mm-hmm. I just want to point that out to Good folks. Point. Yeah, because because the first time I was like, what? Why? is? Oh, wait, of course. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. All right. Anything uh anything else before we uh before we make it out of here for today? I guess that's a no. I I got nothing. Yeah. Well we went I got nothing. We went a little longer than we normally do. I don't want to yeah. say we went long because I don't know what that means anymore. The show started as a forty five minute show. We aim for seventy five. Today we're more like eighty two. But you know, that's how it works. Thanks well, for that's the out. beauty of a podcast, though, right? You don't have to listen to it all at once. If that's you turn, true. if you go away, we're still there when you come back. Yeah, we highly recommend we're you right listen at li- listen at one and a half speed, or use Overcast, and not only listen at one and a half speed, but use Smart Speed to fill in all the gaps. It's good stuff. I love Smart Speed. Oh man, that's yeah. great. I only have to turn it off for shows that play music. That's the. That's it does mess with music. It does. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, like what are the the, uh, the Chip and Dale Chipmunks uh, music? <laughs> yeah, it can Stop be. It. <laughs> it can be really, really weird. All right, thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Our thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Uh, thanks to our sponsors. You can go to macgeekup.com slash sponsors to see all the deals that exist from anyone who's ever been a sponsor, whether they are active or not. And of course, our sponsors for this episode, BB Edit at barebones.com, Collide at collide.com slash MGG, and ZocDoc.com slash MGG as well. You know, I mentioned that incident at MacStock when my... Uh, laptop needed to restart it did end uh we did the show and at the end of the show something very spectacular happened and i i hope that schedules work such that we can do this again next year because we had everybody in the room do this don't get caught thanks for hanging out with us folks see you next time
Sorgen. 